The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. You can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to this radio program. If you miss any part of it, we're on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. Top stories this week include something about Dr. Fauci. It's not really medically related, but, you know, it's sort of. Uh, hydroxychloroquine is uh, pretty good for COVID, as it turns out. And Dr. Weefald is in California enjoying some bright sunshine out there. How you doing? It's good. I'm good. It's uh, sunny downtown Pasadena, uh, Altadena, excuse me. Pasadena and Altadena uh, right next to each other. Pasadena is where the Jet Propulsion Laboratory is and Caltech. It's absolutely stunning. Right behind me are these beautiful mountains. Right. And uh, it's just uh, great. The problem is, really hot during the day. It's freezing at nighttime. Really? Yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, I think that might just be because uh, it just doesn't hold on to the heat at nighttime. I don't know. It's not very humid here at all either, so. Now, you're out there for a particular purpose. You're visiting your sister? Yeah, and we're going to have Berna on the air talking about her uh, medical adventure. She uh, fell and broke her hip, and it was a pretty serious fracture. had to have surgery. And so Berna is going to give us a firsthand account of what it's like to go through something like that and to talk about the medical care she received and how fantastic. Well, let's welcome her in. Uh, Verna Weefold, first of all, hello. I, hello. I, I want to find out something before we even go into the rest of it. What was little Franklin Weefold like? Uh, he was uh, very charming. Really? Um, very, you know, charismatic. We had uh, girls calling our house to speak to Franklin when he was only three years old. Really? <laughs> yes. Here's the here's the funny thing. That appears to have worn off. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's not dynamic at all. He's he, uh, Charismatic is not what we would, would use to describe him. So how are you doing? How am I doing? Yes. Uh, well, I'm... Getting better every day, stronger every day. When did this start? When did what start? You mean my accident? Yes. Um, I uh, was walking my eight-month-old lab puppy. I think it was April 28th, and um, she uh, ran behind me to chase this small dog, wrapped the leash around me and pulled me down, and I broke my hip. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, did you immediately go to the ER? Were you taken by ambulance? Well, you know, yeah. I mean, the um, there was a good Samaritan that was walking by, and he grabbed the dog, 
two other guys were driving by in a truck, and they called the paramedics. The paramedics came, and um, they took me to the Huntington Hospital. Yeah. And I had a surgery the next day, um, a partial hip replacement. I saw the x-ray, and it was absolutely horrifying. I mean, she shattered the femur. And oh so my. the femur is attached to that little ball that goes in the socket. I broke my socket falling off a horse. That's nothing compared to what Berna went through. And then I saw the x-rays after the surgery, all this hardware. I mean, it looked like she became the bionic woman. Wow. And, you know, I think the surgery went well. But, Berna, don't you agree the hardest part was the recovery? Verna, uh, uh, Dr. Weefault's asking, don't you think that the uh, hardest part of this was is the recovery? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, the um, you know, I was kind of sick for several days from the um, anesthesia. You know, it takes a lot out of you. And then um, gradually, and then I, uh, after three days in the hospital, I went to this rehab facility and you start, you know, slowly with um, physical therapy, you know, about every day for about half an hour, you know. And so the first day or two, you know, you, you can't walk that far. You walk with a walker, and then you have to sit down in a wheelchair and rest. And But every day, you know, you can add a few more feet, you know, um, do a little bit more. Um, and you just have to have a lot of patience that, um, and that, uh, you know, every day you get a little stronger. You know, you have to rest a lot. Um, you have to eat it, eat as much, you know, nutritious food as you can, although it's hard because it takes a long time for your appetite to come back. But And you just have to, you know, keep up with the exercises and um, trust the physical therapist. It's all in the physical therapy. Don't you think that uh, your experience really shows um, how uh, people like you can get really quality care? Um, and, you know, just everybody involved, all the physical therapists and nutritionists, doctors and nurses, it sounds like they were all working hand-in-hand hand to just for one purpose, and that's to get you better at home and back to uh, what you were before the accident. I think Verna's having a hard time hearing us, but uh, Verna, did all of the people who visited you and helped you, nutritionists, et cetera, do, are they all contributing uh, to your recovery? Oh, absolutely. Um, this rehab facility that I went to was called the Californian, and um, it was right near Huntington Hospital, and right. it was... Um, one of the only facilities that um, did not have a COVID problem. Right. Um, and um, they, um, I was really impressed with, with how well um, they took care of me. I mean, there were lots of, you know, the different nurses. There were um, people that, you know, cleaned every day. There were people that did the laundry. There were the physical therapists, the yeah. occupational therapists. The nutritionist, um, you know, I had my blood pressure taken three times a day. I think I had my, I was there for two weeks and two days. I had my blood pressure taken more in that 
time period than I have, I think, in my entire life. Right. Um, uh, you know, they made sure I also went to see the um, orthopedic surgeon uh, while I was there. I went to see the allergist. Um, I, I have to ask, how many weeks out are you from your surgery right now? Um, it's about um, six weeks. Six weeks. And are you home? Yes, I am. How how ambulatory are you? How uh, at six I, uh, weeks? You know, I'm getting around um, quite well on a walker. I'm also when I'm in the house, uh, I uh, walk with a cane. Yeah, I'm doing my exercises twice a day. I have uh, the physical therapist has come to see me five times, and will be coming a little bit more. I've also seen the nurse comes once a week. Um, you know, and takes all, you know, the vital signs. I, um, occupational therapist came twice a week. Yeah. Do um, you, do you have a bell um, by this side of the bed here. to, uh, to alert people that you want something? Do you have a That's bell by the side of the bed just to make sure that people bring you things? No, I'm, uh, I mean, you know, like I'm not supposed to bend down. Oh yeah. Um, well, I'm, you know, healing, so, you know, if there's something on a lower shelf or something that's kind of heavy, you have to have somebody else pick it up. My sister was here. Right. And, um, you know, doing all of that. But, um, you know, I'm trying, you know, it's important to try to um, be as ambulatory and, and return to your normal life. Um, right. You don't want to push it. You can't overdo it, you know, um, and you have to rest, you, you know, your body is still healing, but as much as I can, um, do something for myself, I'm doing that. Yeah. Verna, we're going to let you go, but thank you very much for being on Heart Health Radio. Oh, uh, sure. Anything I can. And my, my brother is very charismatic. He is charismatic? None yes, of us have seen that, but that's all right. <laughs> Hey, she, she's okay. exaggerating Bye-bye. a little bit Bye-bye. about the girls. She's exaggerating a little about the girls. You weren't and, getting phone calls from girls when you were 9 or 10, were you? Because <laughs> that's what she kind of indicated, that it wasn't even teenage. There's a lot of... Well, let me, let me tell you something about how great she's doing. Yeah. I was, you know, I came out here. My sister was here for about three, four weeks and, you know, helping her along. And Bern is just... A, uh, a real trooper. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of jet lag here, and I love to sleep. So I was taking a nap, and I had bought all this stuff at Whole Foods to make her this big dinner. And then I just woke up in a startle in the afternoon, and she had gathered everything up and made dinner herself. Yeah. So she is definitely, definitely on the way back. And, uh, you know, she has Medicare, and she has a supplement. I think they covered everything. And I think it's... Uh, a real testament to the medical care here yeah. in Pasadena at Huntington Hospital and the California. And I really am proud of being part of the medical community, seeing how that system that has been developed over the last 100 years has just benefited her. I mean, if she didn't have that with the type of injury she had, right. I think she would be set back for a long time. And she's, you know, she's working. She's a lawyer. She's uh, an award-winning attorney. And her clients need her back, active and ready to go. And I think it's going to happen soon. Good. Coming up, we're going to talk about some interesting things. 
Uh, Dr. Fauci says a an attack on him is a t- an attack on science. Um, the CDC is warning people about something called RSV. Details coming up on this program. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. You're listening to Heart Health Radio, available on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. Dr. Weifold, how you doing today? Very, very well. I'm very proud of my sister. She's never been on national radio before. Yeah. Or, or Heart Health Radio before. <laughs> and she did a great job. She's a, she's a trooper. Very good. We had planned that this would be the beginning of the Fauci drought we wouldn't talk about the fella. The Fauci free zone. You know, the problem is yeah. that so much stuff comes up, he's, he's, he, and, and he's making himself the center of attention now. So, he's making these criticisms and saying, hey, you criticized me, and you're criticizing all of science. This is, from, this is from Meet the Press on TV, Fauci responding to... A very interesting question. What is your level of concern that we're going to discredit public health officials to the point of, you know, look at Russia. They actually have a good vaccine and none of their citizens will take it because they don't trust their own government. Right. It's very dangerous, Chuck, because a lot of what you're seeing as attacks on me, quite frankly, are attacks on science. Because all of the things that I have spoken about consistently from the very beginning have been fundamentally based on science. Sometimes those things were inconvenient truths for people and there was pushback against me. So if you are trying to, you know, get at me as a public health official and a scientist, you're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. Okay, Dr. Weefald, you went to science school, didn't you? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, published some articles in, in some of the top journals and went to the some of the, the, the best schools for the best education. And if you're attacking me, you're not attacking a med- attacking medicine. You're not attacking science. Uh-huh. You know, if I say something stupid, and I've been wrong before. I mean, I was terribly <laughs> wrong about the number of cases we have. So you know, we're going to have in COVID. If you say we thought you were wrong, you're not attacking my medical education. You're not attacking. You know, the science behind everything that's gone on in the COVID thing. You're attacking WeFall. Right. You know, here's, here's the thing. This is, this is very similar to when somebody attacks the squad members. You know who they are, the far left wing political people. Yeah. What, what is always said? Well, if you attack them, you're attacking people of color. You're racist. No. You can attack policies of people. Without attacking what's behind, you know, the whole, the whole system that we have. And he is not in the embodiment of science. Now, what have we criticized Fauci for? All right, he got on TV in February and said that COVID is not going to be a problem for America. Clearly wrong. And if he was following science, he was following the people who knew about this, such as the people of Taiwan. He would have said this could be a catastrophe, but he didn't do it. Then he talks about masks, and he said we have to be very transparent 
yet tell the truth. And then he says, you don't need masks. Well, about a couple of weeks later, he says, everybody put on a mask. And then he says, everybody put on two masks. And they ask him, why weren't you for masks in the beginning? And he says, well, I was, but I kind of lied because I didn't want people to take masks from the healthcare workers. Right. Well, then, tell everybody you need a mask, but don't take them from the healthcare workers. Do what I do, which is get a homemade mask. He had one with a Washington Nationals on it. I seriously doubt someone who's a Yankee fan in New York City is going to wear a Washington <laughs> National mask when yeah. they're a Yankee fan. And, yeah. and it's just so when we say things that are critical of Fauci, we're not attacking molecular biology. We're not attacking um, the, the epidemiology. We're attacking Fauci. I want to talk about one person. He's not, yeah, he's not the god of COVID. There's a, there's a nurse. Since we're in the shame segment, there's this nurse who tried to prove that vaccines make people magnetic. She literally tried to attach something to her neck, saying, oh yeah, guess what? The vaccine makes me magnetic, and a piece of metal will stick to my neck. It didn't work. But it did work for a couple reasons. Number one. It doesn't make you magnetic, but number yeah. two, she has aluminum teeth. And if anybody, <laughs> you know, is educated in, in science, you know that right. aluminum is not magnetic. Right. And so what you've seen these on, on YouTube, what do they do? They take a nickel, okay, right. which is not made of nickel anymore, by the way. It's made of copper, which is magnetic. It's right. coated with a nickel coating. But if you even get a little bit of moisture on it, yeah. you stick it to your skin on the shoulder, it's going to stick there because of the natural uh, adhesive qualities between skin right. and something wet that's metal. Yeah. Um, I keep telling people out there, we've got to stop believing what you see on YouTube, what you see on Facebook. There's nothing that makes you magnetic when you take a vaccine. It doesn't matter what kind of vaccine there's nothing in there that Bill Gates put in to track us with microchips. Right. We have got to, as a country, decide we're just not going to listen to this crap and, and just listen to people who are um, scientifically knowledgeable. Okay? So you can believe people yeah. when they give you a scientific um, opinion. But you can really believe them when they say, wait a minute, you know what I told you last week? Turns out. The science shows, the new science and the new the new information shows right. it's wrong. Right. People like Fauci and people like this crazy nurse will never admit they're wrong. And that's how you know they're not reliable sources of information. There is a, a new respiratory illness spreading across the South. The Centers for Disease Control have warned us for this RSV. And they say Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, Texas, Kentucky, North Carolina, and South Carolina should be aware of this. Be aware of what? What is this? Okay, so it's not actually an old, it's actually an old virus. It's been around forever. It's one of the leading causes of serious respiratory illnesses in infants and young children. Yeah. Respiratory syncytial virus. Well, as, as, as people know, and as uh, I've been made fun of before, because I think the way that I say it is, you know, children should play in the dirt. Yeah. Children should get outside and roll around in the dirt, 
because they develop a natural immunity to things. The kids that, ro- that rolled around in the dirt in the 50s, they had a tendency not to get polio. Why? Because they were exposed to multiple viruses that were similar, and they developed an immune uh, process against them. Now, why didn't this work against uh, COVID? Well, it actually did, because there were a lot of people who had natural immunity that we didn't quite understand, but it probably was their immune system developing cross-reactivity from common cold coronaviruses to COVID-19. Well, since we've been wearing masks and staying away from each other, you know, and constantly uh, washing our hands and, and using a hand sanitizer, yeah. we're not exposing our children to the natural uh, vac- uh, viruses and bacteria that float around in, in our daily lives. And so the immunity that could be developed and prevent these infections is, for the most part, lacking. And these individual kids are right. getting sick, and it may get worse. And this translates also to the fact that we had virtually a, a mild, very mild flu season. And so there's no science that's going to tell you what we're going to face next winter, right. fall, but it could be because of these things we've done to prevent COVID spreading that we're going to get some nasty flu. And of course, that'll also depend upon the, the type of flu that's influenza that is floating around. Sure. So rolling around the dirt is fine, except when you have a novel, and that's why they call it the novel coronavirus. It is something we've never been exposed to. And so we are now going to face the consequences of the good things that we did to prevent COVID-19. Okay. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, usually we meet with Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. She will not be here. We're going to talk about hydrochloroquine, which is still the longest word I know how to pronounce. And it's apparently good for you if you've got COVID. Um, and we're going to, I think, doctor, if you, with your permission, we're going to play Stump the Weefy again. Absolutely. We're going to play the, the game to see if Dr. Weefold is actually paying attention to the medical journals as closely as I am. <laughs> never, never really sure about whether that's true or not. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefold? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network, where you get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Dr. Weefold, how you doing? We are uh, going to talk to Dr. Weefold, who's on. Oh, we just hung up with him. Oh, we did. All right, he's going to call right back. Dr. Weefold uh, will be back on the radio program. So here is the weird thing. I cannot sustain this show without the doctor, right? Because it would be improper for me to talk about the things. But let's, let me tell you, when we do the spot, the uh, stump the weefy, we're going to talk about a story that is really cool. A Cape Cod fisherman. Oh, he's back on the line. Doc, how you doing? What happened? Uh, I don't know. I didn't touch anything. I didn't That's touch true. anything. All right, listen, let's talk about this uh, hydroxychloroquine study. Yeah. So 
what they did, and this was a study of 256 patients. Yeah. Um, they, these were people who were very sick on ventilators right. at a uh, very bad time, and they gave people uh, on a randomized basis, half of them got hydroxychloroquine, yeah. and they got azithromycin. But the other thing they did was, was measure the levels in the bloodstream to get the um, drug of efficacy right. high enough that it could make a difference. And when all is said and done, those sick people had a three times more chance of living and getting off the ventilator when they got hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin than those who didn't. Right. Now, you say, wait a minute, what happened to all the studies that were done? Well, the interesting thing is that certain medications will work in certain people and at certain times. What the national or international study that Fauci used to claim that hydroxychloroquine was not only not effective but dangerous yeah. was to combine what they call a meta-analysis. So it took people who got it in the early stages, it, it took a review of people who got it in the mid-stages, and it took people in, in, in the review who got it in the late stages. Right. If you look at that study, they, that was a combination of all the studies. There were multiple studies that showed efficacy and multiple showed studies that didn't. But if you look at the ones that showed efficacy, they were very similar to this most recent trial. That is to say, when you're really sick, if you can get an intensive anti-inflammatory response from hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, you right. have three times better chance of survival. So when Fauci talks about when you're against me, you're against the science, no. You claim there was absolutely no reason to use hydroxychloroquine. Well, the science is actually now proving you wrong. And this is the same issue when it came to the Wuhan Virology Institute right. being the source of this, this epidemic. It's because a certain individual promoted this. And because you were politically against a certain individual, yeah. You became politically against the science that was behind these um, things that we were following and, and, and promoting, such as hydroxychloroquine and the Wuhan Virology Institute. And what's happening now, these people aren't going to apologize for being so prejudiced against right. scientific um, issues because they were against President Trump. And it's, it's you know, how can you claim? that when you're against somebody, you're against science, when we're just against that person. Right. All right. Let's. Uh, you will take phone calls if they come in, 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. Quick round of Stump the Weefy, um, stories from the medical press that you or may or may not have paid attention to. All right. Uh, story one. Low doses of blank could be a fast and effective treatment for severe depression. Low well, dose. There's a couple now. There's psilocybin, which is a mushroom. Uh-huh. And you take the shrooms and yeah. at very low doses. And yeah. It does something to the chemistry in the brain. It's a hallucinogenic. So mushrooms were, were used by Native Americans uh, to go on the inner uh, brain uh, trips and yes. spiritual trips, what they're finding now is that you can take some psilocybin and at very low doses, and if you're monitored, you do really well. The second thing that's been in is laughing gas. And I was hoping we could get uh, 
you know, a, uh, a, a audio of somebody laughing, you can laugh like that. <laughs> but what that is, it's nitrous oxide. Yeah. They're giving it under supervision, and right. you go in and you get 50% nitrous oxide for an hour. Right. And you wake up, and, and for a period of time afterwards, your depression is markedly improved. And so yeah. I think that's a, a really good thing. They're going to study it and see what happens. Right. Now, the other thing is ketamine, uh, special K, they call it, which yeah. is an um, a anesthetic used for kids. And it's now being given in therapist's office. You sit in, you sit down, you get an IV of ketamine, and your depression seems to be much better, too. But you know what I think is one of the more interesting things is that people who are getting brain MRIs, yeah. uh, so, for example, to find out if, you're, if your brain's whacked because you've got a brain tumor or something, and these brain MRIs, apparently for a, a large number of individuals, not everybody, seems to improve depression. So we've got a lot of things to look at besides what are the common uh, medicines for depression now, the SSRIs. What they do is increase the amount of serotonin in your brain. So uh, it's very exciting. Um, you can you can choose. I wonder what would happen if you chewed some mushrooms, oh my. went in and got laughing gas, and then got some ketamine, and then got an MRI. I mean, can you imagine they'd be almost like me in terms of uh, <laughs> you know the, <laughs> the uh, charisma? Yeah, happiness. It's a dangerous thing. Yeah, dangerous thing. All right. Second second story. Cape Cod fisherman is okay after whale blank swallowed him. Yeah, almost. So, yeah. So this guy was there's two there's two now. One oh, no. was a fisherman and the whale bashed his ship. Yeah. But that guy was was scuba diving looking for lobsters and he sees this big mouth coming after him, <laughs> and next thing you know it's all dark. And then it, this was, I, I think, uh, what kind of whale was it? Anyway, it was huge. It was Humpback. a lean whale. Yeah, so there's no teeth. These whales will open their mouths and go up through the ocean and grab a bunch of plankton. So the largest creatures in the world eat the smallest creatures in the world, but yeah. tons of them. Well, this guy got caught up in that, and he's thinking, what the heck am I going to do? Well, luckily, he kept his face mask on. The next thing he knows, he's being spit out into the air by by the uh, <laughs> whale, and he survives. And so it's uh, an amazing thing. Very uh, good. You get a point for that. So two points for you, nothing for me. Uh, let's see, next story. Common diabetes drug shows promise as treatment for blank. Uh-oh. I think I know this, but it's not coming, coming to Okay, it's metformin is the drug. Yeah, and so, okay, metformin, and it's, is it fatty liver disease? No. What? COVID lung inflammation. Oh, wow. Metformin, why? I didn't see it. Now, metformin apparently yeah. has anti-what? Anti-inflammatory um, inflammatory yeah. things. But so, uh, The way metformin works is it works on the liver. Right. So, believe it or not, just like cholesterol, your body produces a ton of sugar. And that's right. it's stored in the liver as glycogen. And so what metformin does is prevent your liver from overproducing sugar. And so that may be the, the mechanism, is that we all know that sugar is the stimulus for inflammation. I don't know. You 
stump me on that one. That's right. I'll have to look it up. That's stump right. The Weefy. Go ahead. Stump hey, me again. No, no. I've run out of stump. The, the Weefy thing. Oh, come on. All right. Uh, the FDA has approved a much debated drug for blank. Did it Alzheimer's juice? disease? Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. What do you know yeah, about so this? This is this is a monoclonal antibody, so it's very similar to the monoclonal antibodies that were used against COVID. So yeah. they're little laboratory produced, little tiny Y shaped proteins that bind on to something, and then the immune system comes and shoots it up. Well, you got something called amyloid protein, which is like a protein that deposits in the brain and prevents neurons from firing. We don't know the chicken or the egg. It's yeah. amyloid protein laid down from the process, or is the amyloid protein laid down the process itself? So they have these monoclonal antibodies. Now, here's the controversy, they, and it's very similar to hydroxychloroquine thing, uh, the, the controversy, is that when they did the study, it didn't seem to work on all people with Alzheimer's disease. Well, they did the stock for the company went way down, but some really smart-thinking scientists said, let's look at the subpopulation. Were there specific types of Alzheimer's patients that benefit? And they found a, a specific subgroup, and that's the people who have not yet progressed to the severe, unrelenting um, form of Alzheimer's where they really can't function. Right. If it's used in the people with earlier Alzheimer's, where they still can have some function, it seems to improve them. Well, a huge controversy, because the people, the scientists who believe in hard science of randomized trials, if it's positive in the randomized trial, right. great. If it's negative in the randomized trial, you can't dissect out the subgroups. Well, because there's no treatment, no treatment to Alzheimer's, I think the FDA was under a lot of pressure to approve this medicine. It's going to be used only in those people with Alzheimer's who are at the early stage, earlier stages, and they're going to have to do a post-marketing trial. They got studies for eight years, right? And if it's if it's successful, great. If it's not, but three of the investigators, uh, or I'm sorry, the people who are on the investigating committee, who turned down the drug, recommended the FDA not approve. Yeah. They are so mad that they quit their jobs in terms of being on this committee, scientific committee, to study it. Right. So it's a huge contribution. And you know, it's you know how much it's going to cost? Let me stump you. How uh, much do you think this drug's going to cost them? 1000 a month. $11,000 a month. Oh, man. Yeah. And so the other reason why I think a lot of people are against approval of this medication is because they think it's going to really bankrupt system. Right. And, you know, you heard that about uh, the hepatitis C drugs, and, you know, they were $90,000 to treatment. Well, thank God we got them, right. because so many of my patients have benefited from this. And the other thing is, it's a one and done. Get the $90,000, and you're done. How much should we say by not preventing, you know, liver failure and the need for liver transplants and things like that? And, and also, uh, now you can have a heart transplant from somebody who's hepatitis C positive, whereas before we threw away those words. Right. And the chief of uh, transplant, cardiac transplant surgery in, in a hospital in New York needed a transplant, and he got one. He took the medicine to get rid of hepatitis C. Right. He's doing great. So it's, it's a two-edged sword. Um, and, 
that I think there's a lot of evidence that if you give it to the right number, the right subgroup of people, that it's going to really help. And, and so I'm excited. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Good. Let's pick up with Rick in Raleigh. Welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing? Hey, man, what's happening? Long hey. time no here. Oh, I know Rick. Yeah. Yeah, man. Hey. Remember? And believe it or not, I just had a heart transplant. You did not. RCA. And I'm doing really good. Dr. Weefald, I'm going to tell you, I know Rick from doing a previous program on this station. Rick is Mr. Lucky. Really? Exactly. Rick has been hit by lightning twice. Really? Attacked by a bear. Right. On his own property. Not, you know, he's in Raleigh. And right. and something else. Well, now you got the you heart transplant. Form, Man, yeah, what's that, Rick? You don't have chickens anymore, do you? No. So what's going on, Rick? Uh, well, you know, you were talking about the uh, high sugar. Yes. New, uh, stuff they came out with. Metformin? Well, I heard a report the other day that they tested people that didn't have high sugar. Yeah. And that they lost weight with that drug. Yeah. It, it, that's okay. actually a Just, thing. Yeah, that's that a it would be thing. a good weight loss uh, drug, maybe. They just got to test it more, man. You know? Uh, yeah, and, you know, it's approved, and I know physicians that are using it for weight loss and non-diabetics, and guess what? I'm using another um, uh, diabetic drug called a GLP agonist, um, Trulicity, and people are using that uh, off-label because the FDA hasn't approved it. And right. You're seeing a lot of weight loss, and I think it's very promising. Uh, metformin has very few side effects, um, and it lowers the amount of sugar your liver produces, and therefore the sugar is, is made into fat. And they think even, although it's controversial, that metformin may improve this uh, really bad condition that we're seeing now called fatty liver disease, where it's what, you, what it sounds like your liver fills up with fat. Rick, thank you. Hey, thanks so much, and I want to put a shout-out to all the people at Duke. They did a great job on breaking me open and giving me a new heart of a 28-year-old. Thanks so much. God bless you guys. Rick, that's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Heart transplantation transplantation is just phenomenal. And we're seeing really, really good results, and it's uh, very encouraging. Coming up on this show, is it safe to be a kid and a vegan uh we're gonna ask not is it safe but what's the point (laughs) that's that's coming up (laughs) what's the point that's coming up on heart health radio on the heart health radio network Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. Our telephone number, 919-860-9783. Dr. Franklin Weefald talking with Carrie in Raleigh. Carrie, how are you? Hello, can you hear me? Uh, Yes, we can. Yeah, what's going on? Well, uh, Dr. Franklin, my wife's getting ready to have, uh, hadn't scheduled it yet, but she's been checked out and done all the procedures and stuff. She's, She's going to have out. what, Carrie? I'm sorry. Heart surgery. She's Heart surgery. Replace a valve. Yeah. I, I don't know all the exact details, 
but it's got to be done, uh, or as so the doctors say, Dr. Vader over at uh, Rex. Yeah. And he's kind of got a little anxious about this, which I would be too. But I just wondered if it would be wise to get a second opinion. If she's doing okay, the valve, I think I don't know exactly what valve it is. It's going bad. And she went in and did all the procedures and testing and okay. explained it all to us. But I'm just wondering, do you value a second opinion or should I get a second opinion? I know they probably got all the notes over there on file. And then my, my that was my first question. Second question is uh, recovery. How long does it take to recover? Dr. Weefold? Tell me again, it's a valve surgery. Do you know if it's going to be one of those through the leg, you know, minimally invasive, or are they going to crack crack yeah. it open? And... I didn't quite hear that. Uh, Carrie, is the surgery involving going through the leg? Uh, no, I think they got to go through the chest. They've got to do yep. what, please? Go through the chest. Through the chest. Gonna, oh, God. They're going to do it. They're going to do it the old-fashioned way. Well, well, let me let me tell you what I think about second opinion. Um, I um, believe in them, and I think what I tell my patients is that I am very confident in, for example, suppose I said you need surgery, I'd be very com- confident in myself in in recommending that. If if the patient even thinks that a second opinion might be worthwhile, then I tell them. Definitely important to get. If you think, it, if you even you know want to consider a second opinion, I get one. And the reason is there has to be in the, in the mind of the patient going in absolute confidence that it's necessary. And the reason is that amount of anxiety can raise your uh, uh, stress hormone levels and, and can affect recovery. It's, really, it's been shown to do so. Carrie, are you getting that? Carrie, if your wife is concerned about this situation and has any doubt, uh, yes, bits and pieces, you gotta you gotta go ahead, Carrie, and get a second opinion because the recovery is going to be much better once you've you feel confident that the that the surgery was necessary. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what we're trying to determine. But Get I don't know if she wants to go through all that again. I don't know. If, no, she uh, does. No, she does. Sounds yeah, like she does anyway. Carrie, yeah. we've well, got to. Yeah, so we've got to run. We've got Oliver in Wake County waiting. Okay. Um, but your, your your answer is yes. Seek a second opinion. Okay. All right. Well, let, let, yeah, let me, let me just throw it. I, I guess he can't hear me. Not well, no. No, yeah, I what, I, what I would say is that the other thing is that your doctor's, uh, the doctor's reaction to asking a second opinion is one way to determine how good your doctor is, because right. any good doctor wants a patient to get a second opinion. He, he, he or she would feel like, I'm confident enough, I think the doctors, the other doctors, you know, is going to agree with me, but also, hey. Maybe there's something I'm not seeing. Uh, and so a good doctor, that's the sign. They welcome second opinion. All right. Thank you, Carrie. Oliver in Wake County. How you doing, Oliver? Hey, man, I'm back. But listen, just real quick. I don't yeah. want to take you. It's okay. But yeah, get a second opinion. Because when my heart went out from the lightning strike. Right. Uh, over a period of several years, I was at Chapel Hill. 
And they finally came up and told me my kidneys weren't strong enough. Yeah. And this, and that I only had six months to live. Oh my! The morning, the next morning, I went in and I get getting ready to leave, and the doctors were really cool, and they came in and said, "Why don't you go to Duke? They have maybe some some another alternative." Right. And believe it or not, I went to Duke, and Doctor Cat used to be with Chapel Hill, and I knew him, and man, they hooked me up, man. And yeah, Carrie, get a second opinion. My mom, my my mother had the St. Jude valve. Yes, that's why I dreaded getting split open my chest. Yeah, she did a really good job, and I think uh, Rex is hooked up with Duke University. But yeah, get a second opinion. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much. Man. All right, take care. We got Ron in Raleigh. Ron, welcome. You're on with Doctor Weefold. Very short amount of time. Okay, we'll make you quick. I have an implantable defibrillator. I'll yes. be on my fifth definable defibrillator, but oh I have the original wire that goes from um, the the machine, the defibrillator, to the right ventricle. Right. 21 years. They wow. don't know uh, of anyone else showing that long. So when I get a new wire to replace, would you go in beside the other um, wire that's in, or would you take the old wire out? That is a wonderful question. You know, it's. I think you may be closing in on the record. Of that's what I've heard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you're closing in on the record. Here, here's what I'm going to tell you. you ha- it sounds like you've got an excellent team. They test these wires when they go in, and they test them every time you come back to yeah. see if you know the electricity flow is good, if the insulation is good, and there's no reason to replace it unless the company has said. There's a certain lifespan, and uh, we think you should replace it. Now, taking one of those out that's been in there a long time is tough. It can be done, but it's, it's not easy because the wire grows into the heart. The heart surrounds it with new tissue, and if you pull it out in the wrong way, you take a chunk of heart out. There's lots of new techniques to do that, but it's no problem putting a wire next to it. So a new one goes in next to it. They do what's called a capping. So they take where the wire used to go into the device and they put a cap on it so it can't have electricity flow backwards. I personally did about 150 of those procedures where I put a new wire in right next to it. And so here's here's the answer. Listen to your team. If uh, they think it needs to come out, let them take it out. Uh, But if they say, we're just going to put a new wire next to the old one. That's cool. It works. All right, Dr. Weefold, we have run out of time. No way. We will not have enough time to determine whether it's safe for kids to be vegan, unless you want to tell me yes or no. I want to say take them to McDonald's. Take them to McDonald's. Them, let yeah, them play in them, the dirt on the way. Some McNuggets, let them play in the dirt. <laughs> I will say that veganism can work. But it's extremely difficult. And this is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.